Okay. So we're going live right now. I feel like I'm walking into a class. So that's nice. <laughs> All right. So we're live on Facebook also, but your faces will not appear on Facebook. Um, I know that's an oxymoron. Um, if you're on Zoom, I don't know if you got the uh, textbook, but I'm going to put a link here in the chat. If you're on Facebook, I'm also going to put the textbook up in the comments. So textbook, so you can click on that link. Let me now go to Facebook and let me leave a link to the textbook on Facebook uh, for today. Okay, so again, if you're on Zoom or Facebook, I just posted a textbook link in the comments so you can go see the textbook and see the different texts that we have out there. So it's good to see everybody here today. Um, of course, seeing you virtually, you know, they talk about uh, the Zoom room. I think there was a, a comic out there about, you know, there's the vision of what everybody can see on the Zoom and the rest of everything else that's going on. My office looks really nice. My one-year-old today found a bag of rice. So there's rice all over the floor, but of course you can't see it. So we're doing well. Um, so today we are starting a course about Mashiach. Um, and Mashiach has many, many different aspects to it. Someone said that, I, you know, they hope I'm going to clarify to them, you know, all about Mashiach. But I have to say that I don't think I'm going to clarify so much. I think I might just make more questions, but we'll get to that uh, all in good time, as we say. So um, let me just make sure everybody's muted here. Okay, so just keep yourself muted. If you have a question, just unmute yourself here on Zoom. If you're on Facebook, leave a comment if you want to say anything. Um, Mashiach is obviously something that we all pray for. I like to say something we all know a lot about and we all know nothing about, like a lot of other topics. You know, we all hear about the Mashiach. We know the Mashiach is supposed to come, the son of David, and whatnot. But at the same time, there is so little that we know about the Mashiach. And uh, JLI has put together a course. Um, they're just getting started. It's going to include 12 different classes. There's actually two on Elijah. So there's already two on Elijah. And here are a couple questions that we have about Elijah. Now, most people know that Elijah is connected with the coming of the Mashiach. Um, if you don't know, now you do know. But we'll get to that. And here's just a couple questions that we have about Elijah. One is who is Elijah? And an even bigger question is who was Elijah? Number, number, question number two is what's his connection to the redemption? In other words, why do we need to talk about him when, it, when we talk about Mashiach? What's, you know, there's Mashiach, so what does he have to do with it? Number three, um, what is the source that he is the one that heralds and brings the redemption? Number four, if Elijah didn't arrive today, can I assume that Mashiach is not coming so quick, right? If, if Elijah has to come before Mashiach, and if Mashiach hasn't come yet, then if Elijah hasn't come yet, then pr uh, presumably Mashiach is not coming too soon either. And uh, one other question is, why is it at all necessary to begin with Elijah? Uh, couldn't Mashiach do it himself? Why does he need a tag team? Anybody else has any other questions, please feel free to unmute yourself now. If you want to just add to the soup over here, or if not, uh, we'll continue along. 
So I just want to share a story about Elijah, which, which really adds to the questions that we have about Elijah. I guess you could say, in addition to everything that I said, you know, I gave a bunch of technical questions about Mashiach and his connection with uh, Elijah and his connection with Mashiach, the Messiah. But, you know, I'll just say it with a story. There's a story told of um, Elijah one time was dressed as a beggar and he showed up to a wedding banquet and he asked to be let in. And so they told him, we're sorry, we don't let, you know, poor people in, but here's a, here's a doggy bag you can eat outside. You know, you get the uh, leftovers or whatever it is, you know, not, not the good stuff. Uh, anyways, so Elijah comes back a couple minutes later, this time dressed as a rich man. And he walks in and they, they say, ooh, this very regal looking person, wealthy looking person. Let's let him into the wedding. We'll give him a seat toward the front. Let's invite him. So they put him to sit down. Everybody's looking, wow, such a distinguished guest. And suddenly this guest, AKA Elijah, starts doing something very, very strange. He starts taking the food, but instead of putting it in his mouth, he puts some food and he picks up some food, puts it in his pocket, another food in his pocket. He opens up a bottle of wine, pours it down his uh, shirt. And uh, the people there are asking, what's going on? Well, why are you, uh, Mr. Elijah, what's, what's up over here? And uh, he says, listen, when I came before as a dressed as a beggar, I wasn't invited. So I made the assumption that, you know, you didn't like my clothing. So I came back again, this time dressed as a rich man. And this time you invited me in. So what part of me was invited to the meal? Was it me or was it my clothing? It was my clothing. So instead of me eating the food, I'm going to give it to my clothing. So that's just a nice story uh, that brings out, you know, different uh, important ideas that we have to look, you know, um, more, uh, moral ideas, ethical ideas. But it's told about Elijah. We have lots and lots of these stories told about Elijah of him coming down into this world alive again, reappearing in different guises. And again, it begs the question, why Elijah? Uh, why specifically him? Why is he the one that keeps coming down? Why does he come in all these uh, disguises? And why is he the one that's connected to the Mashiach? So before we answer all these questions, well, let's first show a video, which will give you a little bit of historical background, because if we want to understand, if we want to understand about Elijah, first we need to start with his history, right? So Elijah in the future is going to bring the redemption. But before we understand the redemption, we have to go back to his history. Who was he? Where did he come from? Um, and interestingly enough, his, his history is also very, very shrouded in mystery. And uh, actually, I think, as I'm going to say a couple times in this class, that I believe that Elijah is shrouded in mystery. I think that's also another connection between him and the coming of Mashiach. You know, there's a lot about Mashiach that we don't know. I think it's purposeful. And I think there's a similar idea we say about uh, Elijah. There's a lot we don't know about him. And maybe that's the way it's meant to be. Anyways, let me share the screen over here. Just a three-minute video. I'm going to give you a little bit of history background to uh, who this, uh, you know, just a quick historical background to Elijah. Of course, if you want the full version of this, you can go to the Book of Kings, Chapter 17, the Book of Kings, Section 1, Chapter 17, and read through the Book of Kings, Section 2. That's where the story of Elijah is. But uh, I'm going to show you over here. Um, this quick video gives a little bit of history on Elijah.
King David's son Solomon inherited the throne in 837 BCE and built the first holy temple in Jerusalem. Solomon's reign was the high point in all of Jewish history to date, and the nation basked in peace, wealth, and spiritual awareness. But as soon as Solomon died in 797 BCE, the kingdom was split in two, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. The dynasty of King David flourished in Judah, but ruled over just two tribes. The remaining ten tribes in the northern kingdom produced their own chaotic assortment of monarchs. Their kings encouraged idolatry and were often terrible and tyrannical. God sent a steady stream of prophets to rebuke the monarchs and their respective subjects. Ahab was the infamous seventh king of the northern kingdom. He reigned in the mid-800s BCE for 22 years. Ahab was evil and despotic, but his powerful pagan wife outdid him in her depravity. Queen Jezebel was a Phoenician, and she built temples of idolatry and executed almost every prophet of God. Jezebel was bent on converting the Jews into a nation of Baal worshippers. She almost succeeded, but a fearless prophet named Elijah stepped onto the scene. One of Jewish history's most legendary prophets, his major showdown with Ahab and Jezebel came on the heels of an ancient curse. Four centuries earlier, back in 1273 BCE, Joshua led the Jews in conquest of the Holy Land. His first act of conquest was against the city of Jericho, which fell in an astoundingly miraculous manner. Joshua then uttered a dramatic curse. The man that arises and rebuilds this city Jericho shall be cursed before God. With the loss of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and with the loss of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. Until Ahab's times, Jericho lay in ruins. But Ahab's good friend, Hiel of Bethel, dared to rebuild Jericho. Israel followed in horror as Hiel lost one child after another in the process. The Talmud relates that the evil king Ahab visited Hiel to comfort him. There he met Elijah. Ahab mocked Elijah. Do you associate Hiel's tragedy with Joshua's curse? Nonsense. Moses was greater than Joshua, and even his curse went unfulfilled. Did Moses not warn that if we serve idols, God will withhold the reins? But I erected idols on every hilltop, and look, it's hard to stand outdoors worshipping idols with all these rain showers. Elijah responded to the monarch's public blasphemy by proclaiming the start of a years-long drought throughout the idolatrous kingdom. It is to the sound of an errant nation gasping for water that we begin today's lesson. Sorry, I was muted. Um, that is the first time that Elijah appears within the Tanakh, in the book of our prophets. And so the first thing we hear about Elijah, the Talmud gave a little bit of background, but the first thing really that the Tanakh says is that Elijah came to, um, is that Elijah came to Ahab and says, you know, you're wicked, there's not gonna be any more rain. And just to give you a little bit more of the history of what happened after that, so Elijah said there's going to be no more rain. Three years later, 
he meets Ahab, he meets uh, the wicked king, and he tells him, you know, there's no rain because you guys aren't following the ways of God. Uh, how about let's make a showdown between, you know, let's make a showdown between your idols, you know, your idol worshipers, the Baal, and me. And so they get up on a famous mountain, and they have this famous showdown in which God devours the offering of Elijah and not the offering of the other prophets. After that showdown is done and it was proven that God is the God, Elijah prays for the rain and the rain comes back. However, that wasn't the end of the story. He had, the rain comes back? I don't know. However, that wasn't the end of the story. Um, a couple of times um, throughout the history, um, Ahav and Elijah get into a spat, they get into arguments. Elijah runs away to the wilderness and he says, he tells God that he's the only one left. Um, you can sit on my mind, yeah. Um, he comes to, uh, he complains to God he's the only one left. He's the only one that is standing up for God. And uh, later on in life, Ahab does a terrible sin. He, no, he, I don't want to be frozen. Okay, don't worry, you're not frozen. Later on, Ahab does a terrible Why sin. Oh, you're right, there's a problem. Are we frozen on Facebook? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Let's, let me just... It's a terrible sin. Oh, okay. All right. We're not frozen. Okay, all right. All right. Um, I, hope, I hope they can see us. If you can't see us on Facebook, just let us know. Okay. Later on, Ahab does a terrible sin. He steals of the property of someone else, and Elijah gives him uh, a terrible curse. But all in all, eventually, Elijah is very sick of his job, and so God tells him, you know, we're going to point... Elisha instead of you. And after that, we have the most famous story of... Why do you put it louder? After that, we have the most famous story of Elijah. And that, if you have your textbook, and there's a link on Facebook, the first link. And also in the uh, Zoom chat, there's a link for the textbook. Here we have the most famous text from the actual text about Elijah. And it is that he went up alive into heaven. You know, at the end of his life, he did not die. He went up alive into heaven. And I'll read to you here from text number one. This is from the book of Kings. And Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water and divided to this side and to that side. And they both crossed on dry land. And it was when they crossed that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you while I am not yet taken away from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, so Elijah replied back, you have made a difficult request. If you see me taken from you, it will be so to you. And if not, it will not be to you. And it was as they were going, walking and talking, and behold, a fiery chariot and fiery horses, and they separated them both. So this fiery chariot passed between Elijah and Elisha, separated them. And Elijah ascended to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw, and he was crying. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their riders. And he saw him. One second. And he saw him no longer. Now he took hold of his garments and rent them in two pieces. So this is the text from the book of uh, Kings. And in here we clearly see how Elijah went up to heaven alive. Right? He went up to heaven alive. It says he was taken. Again, you can see the textbook if you're in Zoom. There's in the chat. 
If you're on Facebook, go to the beginning of the comments. So here we have a kind of interesting historical picture of Elijah. Um, he was the person who would come to kings and give them curses. Uh, there's another story where actually Ahab's son, Ahab, the evil king, his son, uh, Ahaziah, Ahaziah, funny name. So Ahaziah at one point uh, was sick and he went to go call the false prophets to see if he would get healed again. And Elijah basically told him, you know, why are you calling the false prophets? You should have called me. And you know what? You're, you're sick and you're never going to get healthy again. Why are we and that's what happened. Why are we frozen? Okay, one second. Manasseh, mother, you're going to. Here, I'm going to go outside for a second. Okay. Okay, one second. I'll be right back. Come on up, Okay. All right, sorry about that. So that is, uh, so Elijah in his history, pretty much he just suddenly shows up on the scene. He's always um, coming out and just, you know, giving it, you know, straight as it is, telling the kings, you know, there's going to be no more rain and you're going to die and this and that. You look at all his prophecies, they're very, very harsh. And then we find out that he goes up to heaven alive. So his whole history is a very, very interesting one. And like I said, um, I think that just as the redemption is kind of mysterious, he's also a mysterious person. But the mystery surrounding Elijah doesn't just end with his history back then. Um, you know, like I said, the, the, the Midrash, the, sorry, the, 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 Torah, the Tanakh, the book of our prophets, only say that Elijah suddenly appeared on the scene. It doesn't give any history. So there's a question, which is, who exactly was Elijah? Who was this guy? It doesn't even mention that he had a father or a mother. And is that like everything else in Judaism? There's a debate. Some opinions say that he was from the tribe of God. Some opinions say he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Actually, in one Medrash, it says that the rabbis were debating whether Elijah was from the, the tribe of God or whether he was from the tribe of Benjamin. And Elijah himself appeared to them and says, what are you arguing about? I come from Rachel. Now, Rachel's son was Benjamin. Notwithstanding that midrash, the most prevailing opinion is that Elijah is actually Pinchas, which is why it's a great uh, thing that I like to talk about, of course, because it says Pinchas Elio. Pinchas and Elijah is the same exact person. Um, let's take a look at text number two. Again, if you want, if you want to look at the text to see exactly where we see that Elijah was uh, Pinchas. If you're in the Zoom chat, again, you have the link at the top. If you're on Facebook, it's in the top comment. So it says like this. Let me read to you here. This is from the Midrash in text number two. It says, Elijah escaped and fled to Mount Choreb, as the verse states. And he got up and ate and drank. There God revealed himself to Elijah. God asked him, what are you doing here? So this is, this is one of the stories when Elijah ran away when he was sick of all the people. And he, it says he walked for 40 days and 40 nights and he counted Mount Choreb. Mount Horeb is actually uh, Mount Sinai. And so God asked him, what are you doing here? And he said, I have been zealous for God. Now, that's an important way. I've been zealous for God. Who else was zealous? So the, the Midrash continues. You have always been zealous. 
you were zealous in Shittim to stand up to promis uh, promiscuity, as the verse states, Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, and here too you have been zealous. So just as it's Pinchas, Elijah calls himself zealous, Pinchas was also known to be zealous, and so the Midrash is equating the two and saying Pinchas and Elijah, they were in fact the same person. So what that means is Pinchas either lived long enough and he was later on Elijah, or it means that, um, or whatever, there's different opinions exactly what happened, but regardless, Pinchas and Elijah are one and the same person. So again, who is Elijah? We have some opinions say he was Benjamin, some opinions we say he was God. The most prevailing opinion is that he was actually Pinchas coming later as Elijah. Just an interesting thing I want to share. If we hold that, Pincha, that Elijah is Pinchas, that would mean that Elijah, the prophet, is a Kohen, a priest. Now, if you're a Kohen or a priest, you're not supposed to come in contact with dead bodies. And it becomes a question with people who are deceased. And so it becomes a, a question because there's a famous story in the book of the prophets where Elijah goes to a boy who had passed away and revives him. So the question is, how was he allowed to enter the room? Uh, either way, that's just a, a side discussion. All right, so so far we've learned Elijah is the man who, who would walk into king's palaces and he would tell them what's on his mind. And he was like the only one standing up for God in his days in the northern kingdom of Israel. And also that his history is murky. We don't really have much of where he came from. In fact, we have three differing opinions of which tribe he came from. And the prevailing opinion, though, is that he is from, uh, that he is actually Pinchas. So, so far we have two interesting facts about Elijah. A, his history as it's put in the Tanakh, where he just shows up on the scene. And B, we have who he is. And now we're going to get to a few other interesting things. These are some things that probably you know. Um, Elijah, as we celebrate him today, we know Elijah is said to come to every Brit Milah. Elijah comes to every single circumcision. Let's read here from text number three. It's from the book of uh, Code of Jewish Law. It says, it is customary to set aside a chair for Elijah, the angel of Brit Milah. By the way, it's interesting. We're calling him an angel. When the baby is placed on the chair, we proclaim... This is the chair of Elijah. So Elijah now is showing up to every circumcision, which, you know, we don't do that anywhere else. We don't like have a chair for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't have a chair for Moses, only for Elijah. So why a chair for Elijah? And you've probably heard this before, is that uh, there's a famous uh, thing that says that Elijah complained that the Jewish people were not keeping God's laws anymore, and he pretty much gave up on them. And God told him that, don't complain about my people. They'll be very religious. And I want you to show up to every single circumcision to see that they keep the covenant of uh, God. There's another interesting custom that we do in regards to Elijah. Anybody knows, you can post in the Facebook. What, what other interesting custom do we do nowadays connected to Elijah? You can tell me on Zoom. I'm all for it before I say it. What other interesting custom do we have connected with Elijah? So one is the Brit Milah circumcision. The second one is, yes, you can unmute yourself. Okay, a Seder cup, very good. We yeah. have- The uh, Seder. The Seder, right? Yeah, the Seder. Yep, 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 very good. We have by the Seder, we put a fifth cup 
for some reason, we also think that Elijah is an alcoholic. A lot of people make this really big cup. And then we have this fifth cup out there for Elijah. And as someone mentioned on Facebook, not only that, but we open up the door for him. Now, where did this originate from? So let's take a look at text number four. This is from the Code of Jewish Law. So it says like this. Um, there is a custom in certain communities not to lock the doors of the rooms in which they sleep on the Seder night. For it is the guardian night for all Israel for all time. It is a night for redemption from this exile. When Elijah comes, he should find an open door. So basically we're saying is that this is a night of redemption. And we want that our doors to be open. When Elijah comes, he shouldn't have to try and knock on the door. He should be able to come right in. We will go out to greet him very soon. We believe this and there's great reward to this belief. Of course, in places where there are many thieves, we do not rely on miracles. It's an interesting thing. So uh, it says lock your doors though. The custom in these communities is to pour an extra cup and we call the cup Elijah's cup. Now, why is this cup called Elijah? I understand we expect him to come, but why does he need a cup? So one answer is, is that um, the reason why we have the four cups by the Seder is because there are four languages of redemption written in the Torah. And so corresponding to the four languages of redemption, we have four cups. But actually there is a fifth one, but it actually alludes to the future redemption. And so it says the fifth cup that we put out is one that we're not drinking now, but it's one that we're going to drink when Elijah comes, when the Mashiach comes. So why is it called Elijah's cup? Because Elijah is the one who's going to bring the redemption. And at that time, we're going to drink the fifth cup on the night of Pesach. Um, okay. So just to summarize, what do we have about Elijah? We have an interesting person in the book of the prophets. We have an interesting question of who is he? Is he from the tribe of Benjamin, tribe of God? Is he from Phineas? We have interesting customs that don't apply by other uh, famous Jewish celebrities. Right? We have him that he shows up to every Brit Milah. He shows up to every Seder. In addition to that, he's a person who has lots of, lots of legends about him. Lots of stories. Uh, just to show you, for example, I have here in my house uh, four books, all stories of Eliona, the Elijah the prophet. Now, let me tell you, only the first like five pages of this are from the Tanakh, are from the... Uh, the book of the prophets. The rest of it are all stories and legends that have been passed down throughout the generations. And so it's an interesting thing that Elijah is someone who keeps showing up in our history. In the Talmud, he would appear to very worthy people. And throughout all the time, whenever bad things would happen, we would you know, say that Elijah would show up. There's this tradition that there's this person called Elijah, this prophet called Elijah, and he can show up in times of need or he can show up to people who uh, were worthy of seeing Elijah. In fact, if you go back in history, there was a certain period in time where people would do certain things to be able to merit to see Elijah. It's considered a big merit to be able to see Elijah. Um, you know, the, uh, I think it was the fifth, fifth Chabad Rebbe, or sorry, the fourth Chabad Rebbe, one time he said that there was someone in his study group who, you know, studying got to his head he felt a little arrogant and he felt that he had deserved to see elijah so he uh, he looked up you know how to see elijah there's officially a certain amount of fasts that you can fast and then you can see elijah so he did all those fasts 
And uh, so, but he wasn't really worthy of seeing Elijah. And I think uh, someone else there in the yeshiva wanted to play a little joke on him. So it says they got up in the attic and when this person was studying, they poured water on him and they, and they called out, Tahor, Tahor, holy, holy. Um, so they were playing this little joke on him. Um, but, you know, but there's, there's very famous stories of people who would see Elijah. In fact, there's a story of um, Rabbi Anan, Rabbi Anan in the Talmud. He was a, a, one of the teachers in the Talmud. He used to get, Elijah used to appear to him. And one time there was a story, he did something that wasn't so good. And Elijah stopped appearing to him and eventually he prayed for God's mercy and Elijah appeared to him again. But it says this time the revelations were not as great. And there's actually a famous book based on these writings. Uh, Elio Rabba and Elio Zut is called Elijah, the big Elijah, the small. The teachings that were taught before he had this incident and the teachings that he was taught after these incidents. And so having a revelation of Elijah is considered something very special. Now, what does it actually mean that he appears? Does he appear as an angel? Does he appear as a human being? How does it work? So some opinions say that Elijah, when he ascended to heaven, he left his body down here on this earth or in a certain element close to this earth. And whenever he wants to come down, so to speak, he picks up his body along the way. You know, because honestly, when you look at the story, when it says he went to heaven, we know that real heaven is not up there right? The spirit, you can't go high enough to get to somewhere spiritual, right? Wherever you are, wherever you are in this world, are you trying to get into my Zoom over here? Wherever you are in this world, um, you're within the physical plane. And so if we want to see, uh, if we want to get to spirit, spirit, the spiritual world is not here on this earth. So when it says Elijah ascended in heaven in a whirlwind, it doesn't just mean he's sitting on top of a cloud, you know, he's not there with the dragon and the falcon or whatever those uh, space shuttles are. He went to summer spiritual. So which means he had to shed his body. So the Tom Stouffer says that he had shed his body and, but he picks it up whenever he needs it. Um, others say Elijah is really an angel. And we know that angels can sometimes appear as in the human form. One second, okay, sit out there on the couch. Thank you. Or, um, there are, other, there are other opinions that say that Elijah appears to people in their dreams. So there's all different ways of looking at it, exactly how Elijah appears to people. But it definitely seems that sometimes he, he appears in a dream, sometimes he appears as an angel, sometimes he appears as an actual person. But it wouldn't make sense that on the Seder night, he comes to every home in a physical form. You know, you, physically, you can't be in two places at once. So it means an element of himself is in, is in all those places. Now, when we talk about a revelation of Elijah, well, well, okay, so let me just summarize. So, so far, we have a lot of interesting details about Elijah. Again, A, he's an interesting person in the book of the prophets. B, his history is cl uh, clouded in mystery. Is he from God, Benjamin, or from Phineas? C, we have interesting customs with him. He shows up at the Seder. He shows up at a Brit Milah. And D is that... Um, he appears to people throughout history and there's all these stories and legends. And so all in all, he's a very interesting character. I just want to share a story about um, this idea of Elijah showing up to people that are worthy. Uh, they tell the story of someone who once came to his Rebbe. I don't remember if it was a Balshanta or someone else. So, you know, a, a studied person or a righteous person, 
a spiritual person, he went to his rabbi, and he says, I want to see Elijah. I really want to see Elijah. I want to have the merit of seeing Elijah. So his rabbi told him, you really want to see Elijah? Yeah, I want to see him. He says, listen, uh, go to this and this town. Follow this and this street. When you get to the edge of the street, uh, go to this and this house. And that's where I want you to spend Shabbos. If you spend Shabbos there, you'll see Elijah. So he traveled the road and he got to the town and he got to the street and he knocked on the door and he sees these, this home of a very shabby couple, you know, no, you know, don't really have any means. And he walks into the home and uh, he obviously has to come up with a story. He can't just stand here to see Elijah. So he says, oh, I'm, uh, I've been traveling town and I, I need a place to stay for Shabbos. So the couple says, you know, we'd love to have you over for Shabbos, but we don't have any, anything to serve you. He says, don't worry, I brought everything with me. I have the food, I have the chicken soup, I have the challah, I have the kugel, everything. Oh, they invite him in, they have a nice Shabbos meal. You know, and the next morning they go to Shul and he comes back again that evening and um, they have the, they come back the next day, they have the meal, whatever. The whole time he's there, he's thinking of one thing. Where is Elijah? Is it him? Is it him? Is it me? He can't spot Elijah anywhere. He comes back to his Rebbe and he says, I was there the whole Shabbos, I didn't see anything. No? All right. Do it again this coming week. So the next week, he goes back to the town. He, he takes his trip. He gets to the town. He, is, uh, he knocks on the door, Arab Shabbos. He says, ah, I've been traveling again, and I need a place to say the same story. We don't have anything. Don't worry. I brought everything. And he stays there for Shabbos. And again, he's the whole Shabbos looking for Elijah. No trace of Elijah. He's wondering maybe he's missing something. He comes back to his Rebbe, and he tells the Rebbe, you know, I really, uh, second, second week in a row, I don't see Elijah. Am I doing something wrong? Rebbe, tell me what I should do. So the Rebbe tells him like this. He says, listen, all right, this time I promise you, you're going to see Elijah. But I want, when you get to that house, before you enter the house, I want you to go to the window, put your ear to the window. Okay, maybe you'll hear a little secret, the secret code, you know, the secret buttons, how to get into Elijah's room. I don't know. Well, let's find out. So he heads off to the town and he goes, uh, you know, gets, gets on the road, gets, he gets there Arab Shabbat, same time he usually gets there. And before he knocks on the door, he puts his ear to the window and he said, he listens and he hears the couples talking with each other and the couple saying, you know, we really don't have anything for Shabbos. I don't know what we're going to do. And the wife says, well, you know, maybe Elijah, is going to appear at our home again this week and bring us all the Shabbos food that we need. Now he understood. What's the point of the story? Is that sometimes we're seeking the revelation of Elijah, but sometimes we can be the Elijah. Sometimes we can be the uh, embodiment of Elijah and the person who's always there for people in their time of need. And so although we here in this Zoom call or this Facebook may never actually merit to see Elijah, well, sorry, I should say we'll see him when Mashiach comes, but um, we all have the ability to, so to speak, be an Elijah and a body Elijah. And truthfully, uh, when we do that, we do have, I would say, a spark of Elijah within us. But now let's go on to Elijah as far as the redemption, because that's really why you're here. You want to hear about Elijah as his connection to the redemption is. So we've given you a good history about Elijah and what he means in Jewish history, who he is, and um, 
we've also given you different ideas about when he appears and stuff like that. Now let's get into Elijah as he's connected to the redemption. So we've all heard Elijah, redemption, redemption, Elijah. Elijah, Leona, he's going to come. But where is this source? Where is the source that Elijah is going to come before the Mashiach? And the answer is, it's not in the Talmud, it's not in the Medrash, it is in the book of the prophets. So take a look at text number six. Again, if you're on Facebook, the first comment, you have a link to it on Zoom, it's in the chat. Text number six, this is from the book of Malachi, chapter three, verse 23. It says, very clear, very straight out. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of God. So this is black and white. Again, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of God. So it's clear that Elijah is going to come before the Mashiach comes. And actually, this even comes out in a discussion in the Talmud. The Talmud clearly takes this idea at face value. The Talmud discusses there are some opinions that say that um, there's a question, are Kohanim, are priests allowed to drink? Are they allowed to get intoxicated? Why? If a priest, a Kohen, gets intoxicated, then he's not allowed to serve in the temple, in the holy temple. And what if Mashiach comes right now, then if Mashiach comes right now, then he's drunk, he can't serve in the temple, what's he going to do? So there's some opinions in the Talmud that say, well, if Elijah didn't come yesterday, then obviously Mashiach's not coming today. So what does that mean? That means uh, you're safe. You're clear to drink, right? You're doing okay. You know, Mashiach didn't come yesterday, so today you're clear to drink. So, but there's a, there's a, there's a real problem by saying that Elijah has to come before the Mashiach. And that is that, um, you know, we always pray, you know, we want Mashiach now, or in uh in Maimonides' 13 Principles of Faith, he says uh, we have to await his coming every single day. And there's even statements in the Talmud which make it sound like maybe Mashiach cannot come on Shabbat, he cannot come on certain days because Elijah can come. Why are we limiting when Mashiach would come? And so this, to answer this, will actually be answered more in depth in a different class. But just to give you the simple point is that when Mashiach comes, there's two possibilities. It says, it says in the prophets, the Ita Achishana. It says, in its time, I will hasten it. And it says, what does that mean? It means that Mashiach can either come the Ita in its time. There's a set moment when Mashiach is going to come. Or there's Achishana. Mashiach can come earlier if we are meritorious. In other words, we know Mashiach is going to come no matter what we do. That's Be'ita, it's time, there's a time. There's a time when the Mashiach is gonna to have to come. But there's also a possibility of Achishena, we can bring Mashiach earlier. That's why people ask, you know, why do we have to do mitzvahs? Why do we have to, you know, work to bring Mashiach? God is gonna bring the Mashiach eventually, it's true. But don't you want Mashiach to come earlier? You know, so there's a Be'ita, there's a time, but there's also Achishena, we can bring the Mashiach earlier. And so therefore, although there are limits on when Mashiach can come, but we can hasten that. We can hasten when Mashiach comes. And so actually what it says is that although technically Elijah, it says Elijah will come before the Mashiach, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, it, 
So kind of to confuse you, you know, if you look at Maimonides, Maimonides is really the only halachic book which gives the detailed laws of Mashiach. And even there, it's very wishy-washy when you look at it. He says, well, before the Mashiach comes, Elijah's going to come. But then he says, but it doesn't have to be that way. Elijah doesn't have to come before Mashiach. Maybe Mashiach can come before Elijah. And this all harkens back to everything I've said about Elijah. This is why I keep telling you. I think Elijah's clouded in mystery, and I think that's part of his connection to the Mashiach, because Mashiach is also clouded in mystery. There's so much we know, but there's so much we don't know. And even what we do know, it may not be like that. And we're going to discuss that a little bit more as the, these discussions about Mashiach go on. But the basic idea here is that on one hand, Elijah has to come before the Mashiach. That's what it says in the Book of the Prophets. But at the same time, it won't necessarily have to be that way because there are many, many different ways that the Mashiach can come. A simple example, and again, we'll discuss this in other classes, but a simple example. Many of you have heard that Mashiach will come on the clouds. Other places it says Mashiach is going to come on a donkey. Which one is it? The answer is Mashiach can come in one of two ways. Uh, other places in the Talmud say Mashiach will come when we're all meritorious, or it says it'll, Mashiach will come when we're all not meritorious. Now, it's either come because we're also bad or we're also good. So there's all different ways that Mashiach can come. And it's possible Elijah will come before Mashiach. But it's also possible that, that Mashiach will come before Elijah. And therefore, um, just because we did not see Elijah today or yet, does not mean that the Mashiach is not yet coming. But that being said, I still haven't answered one fundamental question. So I answered... I explained that Elijah doesn't necessarily have to come before Mashiach. Mashiach can come before Elijah. But why is there a connection between the Mashiach and the Elijah? And if anything, you would think that it would be the opposite. Why? El Mashiach is going to usher in a redemption of peace. He's going to usher in a, a moment where the whole world will serve God, the whole world will be at peace. Everybody knows the famous words in the UN. You know, they'll, plow, they'll, they'll take their swords into plowshares. It'll be an, an era of peace. And if you look at Elijah's life in the book of the prophets, he was anything but a prophet of peace. You know, all he had was bad things to say for the most part. There's not going to be any more rain. You're going to die. How do we merge these two images of Elijah, the harbinger of the era of peace, and Elijah, the, shall we say, the fire and brimstone prophet. You know, how, how can we merge these two personalities? And I think to answer that question, we have to go back to what we said all the way in the beginning of the class. Remember, I gave you some history about Elijah, and we had a discussion, who is he? And according to many opinions, he is Pinchas, Phineas. And if you look at Pinchas, we have the same question. On the one hand, he's the zealot. On the other hand, he's the man of peace. What do I mean? If you look in uh, the Torah, Phineas was zealous. He killed somebody for God. He did a zealous action. And what it says, what is God? What was God's gift to to uh, Pinchas? It says, "Hinini notenlo et briti shalom." Behold, I will give him a covenant of peace so one second so the man who went out and killing the zealous he gets a covenant of peace we can give him other gifts why specifically a gift of peace what's the connection between what he did and peace and the answer is, is that we have to re-understand what does it mean peace 
peace, true peace, is when there's peace between this earth and God. That's when there's true peace. And as long as there's friction between this world and God, there is no peace. Because God is the true reality of this world. He is the true vivifying source behind this world. And as long as there's friction and elements within this world that go against God, and that's what they devote their lives to, then there is, so to speak, no peace on this earth. And that's what Phineas did, and that's why he got a gift of peace. And that's what Elijah did. He also got the gift of peace. Phineas, he stood up for God when nobody else was willing to, and he brought peace. In fact, with his action, it says he stopped the plague. God was not angry anymore. Similarly, we have the same thing with Elijah. He was trying to bring peace between the Jewish people and God. The Jewish people were, were, were going well astray, and he was the only one that was standing up. He said, I'm the zealot. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to make sure that there's peace in this earth between man and God. Now, I want to tell you an interesting um, connection with this. Interesting, if you like, uh, you know, Hebrew words, you know, interesting little details. If you look in the book of the prophets, the name Eliyahu, the name Elijah, is usually spelled Aleph Lamed Yud Vav. So the last letter of the book, Elijah, Eliyahu, is a Vav. Five times in the Tanakh, in the book of the in the book of the prophets, Elijah's name is missing the letter Vav. Five times in the Tanakh, in our Torah, is the name Yaakov, Jacob, our forefather. Does he have a extra letter Vav? So again, Elijah's missing the letter Vav five times, and. Uh, uh, Elijah is missing the letter Vav five times, and, and uh, Yaakov, Jacob, has the letter Vav five extra times. And one more interesting thing. In the Torah portion of Phineas, who was Elijah, where it says, I give him my gift of peace, shalom, the Vav, the letter Vav in the word shalom, peace, over there is cut. There's the top part of the Vav and the bottom part of the Vav, and there's a cut in the middle. And so what some commentaries say is like this, is that Yaakov, Jacob, took five vavs. He took five of them from Elijah because he's waiting for the fifth, just like the fifth cup, right, which represents the redemption. He's waiting for the fifth time. He's waiting for the redemption. And when the redemption comes, he's going to give the five vavs back to Elijah. And then Pinchas, the vav in, in, in the word shalom and peace of Pinchas will be complete. Because again, what Elijah is supposed to do, he's supposed to bring the redemption, which will complete the peace that is supposed to be between us and God. Now, that being said, what does all this have to do with us? Obviously, um, obviously, peace, in order to make peace between us and God, also requires for there to be peace between each other. You know, it says, why was the temple destroyed to begin with? Why did we go into exile to begin with? It says because we were fighting between each other. We were not getting along. So the, the people uh, were fighting between each other. In fact, the original story why the temple was destroyed, the story of Kamsa, Bar Kamsa, which I'm not going to go over, is a story of a fight between two Jews. And that's what caused the temple to be destroyed. And sadly to say, unfortunately, till today, uh, Jews many times are fighting. And 
what all of this tells us is that in order to bring the redemption, in order to bring the Mashiach, we need to have shalom. We need to have peace. Elijah is going to be the one to usher in the peace. Pimchas is the one that brought the peace. But peace, in order to have peace between us and God, we also need to have peace between man and man, peace between, a, between fellow human beings. And that's the idea of Pimchas. And so in a sense, Pinchas was actually a man of peace. He was a person of peace and harmony. That was his goal. But in order to bring real peace and harmony, we need to have peace between us and God. So just to recap, um, you know, Elijah is a man shrouded in interesting details and ideas. And today we went over some of those ideas. We gave over a little bit of his history that's in the book of the prophets. And again, if you want to look at that, look in the book of Kings, number one, chapter 17. We also showed that video in the beginning. It gives you a little bit of history. He was that fire and brimstone prophet. So now we know who Elijah is, um, or shall I say who he was. We also know that Elijah uh, may, is probably, most probably Pinchas Phineas. We explained the connection between that and Elijah's character, the idea of making peace between us and God. We explained his connection to the redemption because the redemption is a moment of bringing peace into this world. We also brought where is the source that he will bring the redemption. We brought you from the verses over there. Uh, we also explained how even though that even though Elijah is supposed to come before Mashiach, it doesn't have to be that way. And again, we're going to discuss that more. There's a lot more details about Mashiach. We can't go over everything at once. And we also didn't explain today why is it necessary for Elijah to come first. We didn't explain why Elijah has to come before the Mashiach. We explained Elijah's connection to Mashiach, but we haven't actually explained why is there this idea that he has to come first. But again, we can't go over everything about the Mashiach all in one shot. We can only go over um, a couple details at a time. Uh, just to give you a heads up, as someone mentioned on Facebook, just to give you a heads up, what are the other topics we're going to be discussing? The other topics we're going to be discussing is uh, one topic that we discussed today is the redemption immediate? Is it a process? Is it going to be you know, delayed or is it going to be earlier? I, I alluded to those. We're also going to discuss the war of Gog and Magog, right? the famous war of the Armageddon. We're also going to discuss a little bit more about Elijah. And we're also going to discuss uh, in a future class about the Shor Habor and Livias. And it says that when Mashiach comes, there's going to be this meal. It says there's going to be this big cow and this big fish. And the fish is going to come and slaughter the cow, and the cow is going to gore the fish. And they're both very, very big, and we're both we're going to eat from both the cow and the fish. Very interesting thing. So we're going to discuss that too. Um, those are all interesting preludes, you know, things that we don't fully understand. We're also going to discuss uh, in a later time. We're going to discuss exile and redemption. So we're going to discuss the purpose of exile. We're going to discuss the process that makes the redemption happen. We're going to discuss its centrality to Judaism. We're going to also discuss the obligation to await and anticipate the redemption. And finally, we're going to get into discussions about the resurrection of the dead, um, which is a fascinating topic in and of itself. Now, um, I didn't realize, but the JLI is actually not going to be putting out the next classes for like another two weeks. So I'm not sure uh, what I'm going to do the next two weeks till we get there, but we're definitely going to pick up this course uh, in two weeks, I may supplement in between with my own uh, things that they may not cover in here. 
Uh, we haven't finished discussing Elijah. We will discuss that again. We'll revisit that too. But there's a lot of other things about the redemption uh, that I did want to get into. There's so many questions. Also, if you have questions about Mashiach or things that you've read, please send me an email or, or put it in the comments or, or let me know somehow. Uh, I'd like to discuss all the fascinating questions you might have about Mashiach. Um, if anybody has any questions or comments about today, uh, please let me know. If I clarified or made it more confusing for you, let me know. Um, someone's saying he might be a bridge or a channel to redemption, especially if there will be a new thing. I'm not sure about the question over there. Um, okay, anybody has any questions or comments about Elijah? Again, we, we didn't cover yet why he's necessary. We didn't give a connection between him and Mashiach, but we didn't discuss uh, why it's necessary, why it's, well, I should say, we, we discussed why there's a connection between Elijah and Mashiach, but we did not get into the discussion, so to speak, uh, why his coming is so connected to the Mashiach. There's a lot of other people who brought peace too. Um, any, any, any questions, comments? I know some people said before the class that uh, I hope I'll clarify something because they have a lot of questions. Hopefully you gain a little bit more clarity on who this Elijah is. Like everything that we have, and like I'm going to keep saying, when it comes to Mashiach, there's only so much that we know. It says about when Mashiach comes, it says, Nobody has seen it except for God. So there are certain things that we know about Mashiach, certain things that we're told, but at the end of the day, we're not going to get the full picture because it's not something that I think we can fully appreciate until the Mashiach comes. All right, so any, any questions? I'm out here at uh, 8.23. Any questions? No? It was either all very simple or all very complicated, right? That's how I always like to yeah. say. Huh? Yes, you have a question? No? All right, I'm gonna turn off Facebook over here. Um, and then if you're on Zoom, you can.